So I got this new gadget recently and it is kind of the showstopper of my house right now. Seriously, I had a Super Bowl party recently and yes, people were watching the game, but there was this whole collection of mostly moms gathered in my kitchen around my new composter. Mill is a food recycling appliance about the size of a trash can. It's super nice looking with this pretty bamboo top. I sweep all my food scraps into it. And then at night, it heats them up, grinds and dries them, and turns it into this sort of powdery, dirt-looking substance that I can mail back to Mill, and they'll donate it to sustainable farms to feed chickens, or I could put it at my green bin at home, use it in my garden, or feed my own chickens if I had them. It's a composting game changer. It launched less than a year ago and has already helped people keep over a million pounds of food out of the landfill. And U.S. food waste is a bigger greenhouse gas emitter than um, the airline industry. I get it. People don't want to keep stinky, moldy food scraps on the counter. And now you don't have to. Plus, you can impress your friends at parties. Mill.com slash pool to order yours. Welcome to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy. This is the show where we dive deep into the climate crisis and come up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. In this week's episode, we're tackling two problems at once. First, how individual people can put their climate money where their mouth is and maybe even make some money in the process. And second, how small to medium-sized renewable energy projects can get funding. Now, we know that arguably the key to moving the world away from fossil fuels and toward net zero carbon emissions as fast as humanly possible is to deploy, deploy, deploy. We need renewable energy everywhere. Solar, wind, hydro, geothermal, all systems go. And this is construction. And construction requires finance, often a specific type, in fact, called project finance. This is usually a combination of debt from banks, upfront cash from developers, and loans from private investors who all do it because a project has guaranteed cash flow. For example, in the case of renewable energy, because someone has already promised to buy the energy in a 10 or 20 or 30 year contract. Shout out, by the way, to the good folks at Climate Tech VC, ctvc.co. They did a multi-part newsletter series on project finance that I will link to in my newsletter at mollywood.co. These are my kind of nerds. But where project finance can really be a problem is for small projects. Banks and traditional investors often want larger projects with a proven track record. And that means these small to mid-sized projects can struggle to get funded, even though we need all of them to have an impact on reducing carbon emissions. And that is where you come in and also where this guy comes in. My name is Will Wiseman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Climatize. I am a big energy wonk, and so my whole world is climate. Climatize is a easy and transparent app that allows you to invest in renewable energy projects with as little as $5. This is where I should probably say that everything that follows is not investment advice, but it is mighty interesting. Will and his co-founder are young. He was a 30 under 30 about three months ago, but he's worked in almost all parts of the renewable energy industry for like nine years and has two master's degrees, one in energy engineering, one in sustainable energy technologies. And he met his co-founder while they were both at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. I asked him why the obsession with renewable energy for fully a third of his life. 
So I have a very unique childhood in that uh, my father is a marine biologist. And so that unique experience took us to very far-flung places and some of the most pristine reefs and oceans in the world. And so over my life, I have seen the rapid degradation of the oceans. And to me, that was a deeply unsettling experience over my childhood. And so as I began to mature and look at careers kind of going into college, I was really thinking about kind of the sustainability side and, and the impacts of, of climate change. And so at the time, there was a fascinating concept to me, artificial photosynthesis, that was the idea of kind of solar, but using it with algaes and to be able to essentially create energy, clean water and and sugars, essentially energy at the same time. And it was this fascinating concept. And so from that, I pursued it into engineering. And from there, got into really kind of more of the true engineering life, working on projects, being one of many. And with those, saw that each project was going to be three or four years. And it wasn't really the impact that I wanted to have over my career. And so that was when I went and, and got my graduate degrees and really zeroed in on the energy engineering space, which to me is one of the most fascinating Rubik's Cubes in the whole world. You have this kind of intersection of physical constraints with, you know, the physics, the chemistry side of it. You have the economic constraints to be able to finance these projects and the kind of competitive supply and demand considerations there. You have the geopolitical constraints of changing kind of incumbent powers between, you know, petrostates and now the new renewable energy world. And you have the social element of, you know, kind of the political side. Do people believe in this or not yet? And so to be able to look at it from those four facets and try and solve Solve that problem to me is just, it's a very fascinating and inspiring problem to work on every day. So talk to me about how this became a startup. Like certainly you could have plugged away building renewable energy projects mm -hmm. and you have taken this approach to start a company with your co-founder and also start a company that really is about in some ways democratizing or potentially in all ways democratizing access to project finance. Is that a fair way to describe Climatize? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We want to try and make uh, the everyday person, someone who's concerned about the future, we want to help them be active stakeholders in the energy transition, not just neutral bystanders. We feel that oftentimes people feel relegated to the sidelines when it comes to climate action, that you know it's upon the governments and the big corporations to make that change. And we're not seeing that change happen fast enough. And so really the aha moment for us and the story behind Climatize was when my co-founder, she and I were in Barcelona for the global climate strikes. And there there was over 100,000 people protesting in the streets. And this was just one of hundreds of cities around the world. And I have this vivid memory of, of standing up on this bench and looking out over this sea of people. And there was all ages and there was this hope and this motivation. And yet we had this sad realization that we would all go home and the next day, nothing was going to be different. And she and I just saw that, you know, if our best option in this moment was to make a cardboard sign... There was a glaring problem. And so we really started asking everybody, like, what is it that everyone from that crowd could contribute? And from that, people kept saying, oh, well, you know, what if it was just a little bit of spare change? Or like, what if it was a dollar? And so from that crowd, that was uh, 100,000 people. If you did that every day 
for just that day, you would have $100,000. And then if you did that for a year, you would have $36 million. And then if you scaled that to everyone, the 7.6 million people who showed up for those strikes, if they each pitched in a dollar a day, you're talking about $2.75 billion per year. And we went, wow, that's actually a meaningful sum of, of capital. And that could actually represent a pretty substantial build out of renewable energy projects. Mm -hmm. And that was just a dollar a day. You know, there's a lot of upside on that. And so from there, that's really what we've been pursuing is how is it that we enable everyday people to be active stakeholders in the energy transition? And really, we look at climate change as one of the largest economic opportunities of our lifetimes. And if people are excluded from that opportunity, then you're never going to see the true momentum building necessary for us to really hit these scientific targets that we do, that we need to. And we feel that it is a travesty that much of climate change is kind of, the narrative is much about sacrifice rather than opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's framed around you need to fly less, you need to eat less meat. Like those are very important changes in everyday lives. And I don't want to minimize those. However, the other side of the economic opportunity, the economic growth, you know, the manufacturing capacity, new jobs, cleaner air, all of that side, I don't think that narrative is told quite enough. Yep. And so we want to expand the access to that economic opportunity to everyday people and enable them to earn the benefits and the yield, the, the profits of the energy transition. So then what made you decide on project finance? Like the problem you're solving for the consumer on the one side, right, is access to action mm -hmm. and a financial return. On the other side, what was lacking in terms of project finance that this also solves? Yeah, yeah. So what we found is that there's a really acute problem when it comes to small project finance. And this is particularly acute below $5 million of renewable energy projects. That is really kind of below the line that commercial lenders will often get out of bed. They're looking for those big utility projects out in the desert. And so many of these kind of mid-cap project developers are funding their projects off of their own balance sheets. And what that creates is a very start-stop project development cycle where the developers, they put all their cash into one project, and then they're waiting for the revenues to recycle back to them before they can ever go and, and actually now develop the next project. Mm -hmm. And we want to help them accelerate that capital deployment cycle so that they can be developing and, and really building more projects. And Will says it might be kind of a better way for individuals to invest their values than they currently have available. And from my point of view, I look at some of the sustainable investment opportunities now. You look at ESG, and it is more of a risk metric than it is actually investing directly into climate projects. You know, you have all three, environmental, social, and governance, and you don't have to score 100% on all of them to be in an ESG index. And if you look under the hood of some of those portfolios, they're not exactly the most environmentally sensitive companies. And so at the same time, you're also investing in the corporate equity of those companies, not necessarily actually leading to new project deployment that really moves the needle and decarbonizes the electric system. So that's why we really zeroed in on, on project finance, in particular debt financing, because we want 
investments through Climatize to lead to the construction of new renewable energy projects and really move the needle when it comes to systematic decarbonization. So when you're investing in projects through Climatize, you can actually see the solar project that you're investing in. And we want that high degree of transparency and line of sight to the impact that you're having because, frankly, there's just been too much greenwashing. And we risk that the public pulls back from actually investing in climate action because they are worried that their money is not actually going to the things that they were told. Talk to me about the number of projects that are available in that kind of spectrum, that sort of sub $5 million spectrum. And what types of, for people who just have no idea what types of projects we're talking about, Mm -hmm. like, give us some examples. Community solar, is it, you know, like, what are we looking at here? Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. So uh, in particular, we're really looking at community solar. It's a really exciting space because it often does have that really local impact. And from there, it's a very rapidly growing industry. So pulling, citing NREL's, the National Renewable Energy Labs data here, they have community solar growing at 111% compound annual growth between 2008 and 2020. And let's, this is my fault, but let's define what community solar means. Sure, yeah. So community solar is kind of a new subsector of solar. And the real innovation here is that previously, if you had a solar project, you would have one power purchase agreement where oftentimes it was a large off-taker, a meta, a Google, an alphabet that bought all of that power. Or if it was really small, it was the residential, it was the actual homeowner. There's been challenges in the commercial industrial space, the kind of mid-market space where you know that you don't have the building owner and the tenant necessarily seeing the benefits. With community solar, the real innovation here is that you can have fractional offtake of the power from that asset. And so now instead of having one big business or the utility buying all of the power from that project, you can have four small businesses and you know a hundred families all pulling from the same asset. And you have billing reconciliation so that they are essentially getting virtual credits to their bills. And why this is really innovative is because this disproportionately benefits low to middle income families who oftentimes they don't own their roof. And in that case, then they can't put residential solar on their roof. Mm -hmm. Or if they don't have the cash to be able to afford that residential system, then they were blocked. They were prohibited from entering and and benefiting from not only the energy savings, but the climate impact of of solar. And so now with community solar, any family, if you're in a, a state that has the supporting legislation, you can subscribe to a community solar project and see generally 10 to 15% savings on your bill immediately. And so these are this kind of distribution grid level, smaller scale projects, generally in the range of about 100 kilowatts up to maybe two and a half megawatts. And they are sited closer to towns, sometimes co-located. So some of the projects that we've looked at are on a Shakespeare theater or on a synagogue, on a boys and girls club. And because those projects are not only in the community, but then also have that nice kind of underlying network with which that can help raise capital, that's where we've seen this kind of nice intersection of being able to bring our product in and enable the community to actually invest in their own renewable energy projects. All right, time for a quick break. And when we come back, the nuts and bolts and the surprising regulatory difficulty of building a solution like this. 
This week's episode is sponsored by Fennel Markets. You know how I have my three-part strategy for personal climate action, right? Vote, invest, and adopt. Well, sometimes the investing part can be a little fuzzy. It can feel like the kind of drop that will never fill up the bucket. And now you can take your climate and socially responsible investing to the next level with Fennel, the investing app that's on a mission to actually democratize investing. Here's how. First of all, you get the quality data that right now is generally only available to institutional investors. So you can choose your investments based on what matters most to you. That could be Buffett-style price to earnings, sure, or how happy a company's employees are, or yes, their carbon footprint. With over 200 plus ESG data points, Fennel empowers you to invest in companies that align with your values. And Fennel also empowers your voice as a shareholder. Other brokerages lend out their securities and give away your vote. With Fennel, you can stay up to date on past and upcoming votes surrounding matters you care about, like child labor policies, carbon emissions, and pay gap reporting. It's all right there in the app. Ready to get started? Download the Fennel app today and enjoy a seven-day free trial. Plus, they're offering one month free off your subscription once you've made an account. Download the app today at fennel.app.link slash mollywood. Take control of your investments and join the super-empowered investing movement with Fennel. A drop really can become a flood. And we're back with Will Wiseman of Climatize, who is about to tell me about the many hurdles that a company like this has to go through so that investors can make a return on these types of projects instead of it just being a crowdfunding type thing. Let's go back to the investment mechanism then. Mm -hmm. How does that, how do people access it? And then what do the returns look like? Yeah, definitely. So getting a little wonky here, we had to go through the full FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority uh, vetting process. And so we were approved for membership in FINRA and then Climatize registered with the SEC. Let's back up even a little bit more. Why did you have to do that? Sure. For people who have no clue. <laughs> yeah. So we had to go through the full regulatory approval process when handling anybody's money and potentially offering a return on investment. And really, actually, Climatize's role is the issuance and creation of securities. Mm-hmm. And that's the nuance there is that we are actually creating these financial securities that can then be publicly traded among people. And those securities are registered with the SEC. And that is part of our innovation as well, is that if you were to fund a solar project previously, oftentimes it would be in a single credit agreement with a single lender. And now what we've done is say, okay, if you're taking out a million dollars, if you're issuing a million dollars of debt, those could be in $5 increments and have fractional debt and fractional lending so that the project developer can come and say, okay, I want to issue a million dollars of debt. And retail investors can then come and purchase that through our crowdfunding portal. Mm -hmm. Under the FINRA regulation, it's called a funding portal. And so with that, we can facilitate investments from anything from mom and pop, my grandma, all the way through an institutional investor. And that's part of really our vision to be able to democratize access to this asset class and enable everyday people to come and participate in these deals that were previously behind closed doors and only really accessible to the wealthy. Let's break this down even more. So when you decide to list a project, you vet the project, figure out where it's going to be. You create a 
what we would call it is a special purpose vehicle, right? That's how <laughs> we would think of, like if we were listing a startup, for example, if I were listing a startup to be uh, invested in via a syndicate, a group of investors who wanted to be part of that investment, we would create a contract, a special purpose vehicle. Yep. Is it similar to that? And then people can just buy chunks of that vehicle? Yeah. So the project is held in a project company. Yep. And that project company is the one that is issuing the debt. Now, the actual legal structure is called a crowdfunding vehicle. Okay. And so we file what's called a Form C with the SEC, and that essentially creates the crowdfunding vehicle. And that is then what ultimately facilitates the, the issuance of the securities. And then this is where we should, again, sort of make this more explicit, not a donation. No. It is an investment. So people are investing, and then what kind of return can they expect from that investment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with this, you're actually buying what's called a promissory note. And on the promissory note, there is a set interest rate as well as a term. And what we've seen is, you know, return profiles of anywhere from about 7% up to 9%. Currently, there's projects with about 8%. So you can see actually, you know, competitive return profiles to public equities. And with this, it is a real world cash flow generating asset. And it's just a fundamentally different exposure to markets than, say, public equities. What is the time frame over which you can expect to, you know, see those returns? Yeah. So some of them that we've seen, they're generally structured quarterly repayments. And with that, maybe a five-year term. So it really depends on the specific project. And I have to caveat, I encourage everybody to do their own homework and their own due diligence. And this is not investing advice. So each promissory note is structured differently. And so from that, you got to look at kind of do the terms and the return profile match your risk appetite and, you know, your ability to look at potentially illiquid assets. And from there, if you think, hey, this is attractive to me and that, you know, this kind of fits my portfolio construction thesis, then I think that this can be a really interesting addition to people's portfolios. What is the risk? It is certainly my understanding that the world of solar development can be painful and sometimes projects don't get built or they don't get approved or they get stuck in interconnection queues. So mm -hmm. what should people know about project finance as a category and building these types of projects before they invest? Yeah. So one of the things, because, you know, we've I've been in the solar industry for long enough to be aware of, of many of those risks as well. We have been aiming for projects that are past mechanical completion, a past their commercial operation date, and are either immediately within sight of being energized or already generating revenue. Okay. And that way you are not taking on as much of the construction delay risk, not taking on the interconnection delay risk. Those are earlier in the project life cycle than we are offering on our platform currently. And so because we really want to help protect everyday people, you know, project finance is a nuanced asset class and we don't expect everybody to come in, you know, fully fluent in solar. And so because of that, we want to try and keep these securities as user friendly as possible. And so, you know, that's when I say at least a project on the platform now, you can actually see a flyover of the project. And with that, it's it's already done. It's already on the roof. So you're not really taking on that kind of construction risk there. And so with that, that project specifically is just waiting to be energized. 
But from there, we're able to look at kind of a power production profile, run our own studies using some of the solar development tools to kind of get a scope of, you know, what do we think are the projected cash flows on this? And can it actually then sustain the debt that the project developers are looking to take on on that project? And if so, then we would let them issue the project to the platform. We are not just open gate. Anyone can come and, and post on the platform. We have very stringent criteria that we run through when vetting all of these projects to make sure that, you know, we believe that it is a, it's up to snuff. There's nothing that we would believe is fraudulent and, and meets our criteria. This might be kind of a dumb question, but if they're kind of past the point of construction, what do they need the additional capital for? Yeah. So this is part of the innovation here is that, like I was mentioning, those project developers were in that start-stop cycle mm-hmm. of putting in a million dollars to a project and then having to wait till maybe year seven until they actually got the revenue from the project to essentially repay and then be able to go and use that revenue from that first project to go and develop a second project. And now what we're saying is, hey, you know, if you are at this point where you're in a line of sight or the project is already generating revenues, you can lever, you can borrow against those cash flows and now have liquid cash on hand to go develop a new project. Instead of having to wait till year seven, you can potentially go and borrow against your project in year zero and now go and and develop another project. I get it. And that allows the turnover of that capital much more quickly so that those project developers aren't just waiting on their portfolio to essentially generate enough revenue to go build a new project. Rather, you can borrow against the actual asset value of your portfolio. So you're not funding the synagogue project, you're funding the next synagogue project. But you're actually invested in the synagogue right. project. Like you're you the you the the investor is seeing returns from the existing synagogue project and mm-hmm. providing the upfront capital for the next one. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. So you have a senior creditor position for example on that synagogue project. And so you are actually in you're invested in that project specifically. Now, the use of funds are in part for the operation of that project, but also in part for the development of new projects. Mm-hmm. How much of these small projects do you imagine will be part of the mix going forward? Because it seems like these are, I mean, interconnection aside, which I guess we should talk about, mm-hmm. it seems like these are pretty easy wins mm-hmm. in terms of expanding the overall kind of pool of electrons, renewable yeah. <laughs> renewable electrons here. Yeah. So it's a really promising new sector. And the Department of Energy has signaled that they want to see 700% growth in community solar by 2025. And they're trying to have 5 million homes powered by clean energy through community solar. So lofty goals there, but, you know, they have begun creating coalitions of stakeholders to create scalable and replicable financing processes for these assets. Because to your point, you know, we need to move way faster than we are now. And so with community solar in particular, because there is the potential to co-locate them on, you know, buildings and whatnot and not needing to have them so far away from demand centers, you know, you have less of the kind of transmission congestion issues that are really prominent in particular with utility scale solar. Some of the barriers for sure, you know, only 22 states currently have the supporting legislation for community solar. Mm -hmm. Like even California, 
the largest solar market uh, doesn't necessarily have the underlying legislation to enable that. And so the CPUC, the California Public Utility Commission, is currently rewriting those laws. And we expect to have guidance on that in the first half of 2024. But there's a lot riding on that body getting it right. And so You know, opening those doors in different jurisdictions, opening those doors at different state levels is going to be really important for the expansion of community solar. However, the, you know, the opportunity is is really promising. And because the actual supply, the generation is much more geographically located next to the demand, you have not only technical benefits from that kind of grid congestion level, but also lower losses in the distribution across the lines. And so if the project is closer to where it's being used, then, you know, broadly the system benefits. To be an investor on the platform, you said as little as $5. I feel like this is a thing we should Mm -hmm. clarify. You do not have to be an accredited investor. You can be a normal human who wants your money to go in this direction. Yes, exactly. So as little as $5. And that is something that, you know, we really want this to be accessible to everybody and anybody. So if you are a parent who is worried about, you know, your children's future, if you are a community leader that wants to see more clean energy in your neighborhood, if you're a climate activist and you want to kind of bring more firepower to your movement, that is how we see ourselves really plugging into many different communities and being accessible to everybody. And how do you get paid as a company? So we take 5% of the funds raised and a 0.5% issuance servicing fee over the lifetime of of the issuance of that note. But those are charged to the project developers. So that goes into the soft costs of their project. While you as the investor, if you put in $1,000, you're earning on 100% of your $1,000. There are no fees to the investors. Hmm. And because of that, you know, it's part of the ethos of the company. We want this to be, you know, kind of the people's network for climate action. Amazing. Where can people find Climatize? So Climatize is currently uh, available in the iOS app store. So if you have uh, an iPhone, you can download it there. Uh, We're working on the Android one. I'm sorry, we've heard all the feedback, (laughs) but it's coming soon, I promise. (laughs) <laughs> yep, I promise it's coming soon. Uh, but yes, so go to the App Store, check out Climatize, or you can also find us on www.climatize.earth. And from there, there's a link to download the app. And would love if, you know, everybody gave it a try and we're really looking for feedback and just love the public response that we've heard thus far. Congratulations, Will. This is uh, super exciting. Good work overcoming the hurdles. And I can't wait for everybody to hop on. Thank you very much, Molly. It's been a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. And that's it for this week's episode of Everybody in the Pool. Remember, this is not investment advice. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can get involved in climate action and maybe even make a return on your investment, check out Climatize. And as always, if you have an unexpected climate solution or an idea for a new job, or if you'd like to sponsor Everybody in the Pool, you know, like whatever you want to talk about, email me at in at everybodyinthepool.com. And for a deeper dive in the occasional rant about the New York Times climate coverage, sign up for my newsletter at mollywood.co. See you next time. I've been composting for a long time, but I will admit it is not that fun. The countertop bin takes up space, it stinks, it gets moldy, fruit flies come... 
But once I got the Mill Home Food Recycler, I actually called them to ask if I could do an ad for it. The mill takes all my food scraps and dries them up into grounds that can go in my garden or get mailed back to become chicken feed. And now I am telling all my reluctant composter friends it is time to get in the pool. I hope you will try the mill in your home. Check it out at mill.com slash pool.